Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. With a whole bunch of academic archers Saturday gang, and we are here in the Licky Hills by Vince Casey's mansion. And we've been to Inkborough today and various other places. And we're going to sing you a Dumpty Dum. Ready? This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here, Philippa Hall stepping serenely off her yacht. And Quentin Rayner panting in his pedalo. And with plenty of padding around the bum, there's you lot, our chocolate scoffing Dumpty Dummers. This week's Dumpty Dum tune is from, as we heard, Claire from Clapham and some of the wonderful academic archers. They'd had a few, hadn't they? (laughs) I don't think so. They were just (laughs) enjoying life, seeing each other and seeing parts of Ambridge and why not. Yes, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> and on this episode, we're lucky enough to hear contributions from Catherine, our Rob, Jenny with a G from Coventry, Jen, our Ambridge Pony Club, formerly cycling Christine, Stephen, Natalie from Torquay, Best Speculation, an anonymous emailer who is not Anon of Ambridge, Tash in Australia and Anon of Ambridge, plus Tweet of the Week, Facebook Roundup and welcoming new members of our Facebook group, Instagram predictions for next week. And the Dumpty Book Dumb item this time is with author and former Archer scriptwriter and producer Joanna Toy. Marvellous. Take a breath, Philippa. Take a breath. <laughs> now, Philippa, a non of Ambridge, as we know, lurks in the shadows, but so too does the secret scribbler. Indeed, because Q is still feeling under the weather, bless him, the secret scribbler has written this week's roundup. <laughs> 
Yep, and it's certainly been a week worth shouting about in Borsetshire. The news was all around the village and Brian was livid. Who blew the Barrow bugle? Was it you, Hannah, the woman who doesn't speak to anyone? Or you, Neil, the man married to the voice of Radio Borsetshire? Susan self-identified as not a silly gossip, even though she's been top of the Pro-Am leagues for years. Tracy started her new job as Borsetshire's coordinator for Dignitas by getting all the over-65s together in a boot camp. First of all, was Tony, who really hurt himself trying to pull his finger out. But as luck would have it, Tony kept his place not for batting, but for blabbing. With his dastardly plans for Barrow revealed, the snake Justin was banished by Tracy for excessive moustache twirling, cloak flapping, and behaving as if he was in a Victorian melodrama. The World Hide and Seek Championship reached the semi-final stage at the Ambridge Vicarage. It very nearly ended in disqualification as one of the contestants was shouted at, while the other was two steps down the path. Instead of cricket, Jazza and Hannah preferred to play proletariat versus bourgeoisie. The sticking point was whether Neil has to go. He's given years to that place, Jazza lamented. But uh, hold on, mate, it was only set up for pigs in 2017, so it's it's not that many, is it? Eavesdropping in the bull, Justin told off Jazza and Hannah for gossiping about the barrow closure. This is an extremely delicate situation and gossip doesn't help anyone. I actually lost my place on the cricket team after fobbing off Jazza and Tracy on Sunday. And in a final sporting event, Amy and Alice competed for the Hokey Cokey Open. Stay, go, stay, go, in, out, in, out, scream it all about. Chris had a rude awakening above the knocking shop when he found Amy at the door. Chris, Alice knows about the bra and tights thing and I've put a fiver on at William Hills that she'll be drinking again. Can you go and check her out? No problem. I'll take Martha because all babies love to watch people projectile vomiting vodka in the morning. Back at the Horribin Haunt, it was time for tea. Morning, Susan. Morning, Tracy. Bit of a bugger about all these jobs going, isn't it? Yeah, best be getting to work. Copper? Why not? Oi, what do you mean Neil's been tossing and turning for weeks about Barrow? Get out! Chris let himself into the nest expecting to find Alice in a stupor. Instead he found her stone cold sober. Oh, oh, you're wide awake. Let me explain. Uh, Amy came round to help clean up the flat. While I was lying on the couch, she slipped on a bit of lambuna and fell on top of me. Oh, and it was hot, so we'd taken all our clothes off. Lower Loxley, Russ and Freddie were flexing their artistic credentials, but Lily wanted to see her man dress up as the Easter Bunny again. However, he wasn't prepared to go down that rabbit hole. But later, Lily grabbed victory out of the jaws of defeat. Look, Freddie, Russ has had a complete personality transplant, dressed up as the Easter Bunny in a new costume, refusing to speak, and he's actually grown another six inches and put on two stone. Let me grope him inappropriately. A combination of Easter egg one-upmanship and cocktails got Lily's tongue wagging to Beth. Maybe she thought it was good for the soul. Lily spilt the beans about a fling with her colleague, even though Beth insisted it was none of her business. After all, her relationship with Russ is better than ever, following her night of illicit passion. Well, as long as he doesn't know about it. But at least we now know what Ian sees in Adam. They're equally boring. Susan offered him a whole polytunnel of earthy delights, ranging from carrot cake to self-care. And what did he go for? Soup, Vera and butterscotch angel delight. (laughs) 
once again, <laughs> many thanks to our secret scribbler. And uh, I think we can expect more scribbles from them in the future, can't we, Philippa? Very good. Yes, well, bravo. I'm, a, I'm applauding quietly. Well done. Thank you. I don't think I did the accents very well. I had a lot of fun doing it. I, I thought you you were magnificent as Tracy and Susan flip-flopping all the way through that. Fantastic. Well, anyone that saw me on the dog walk this morning would have thought I was completely insane because I was just... I, I, was, I was in the room with you. I was in the room there. I was trying, <clears throat> I was trying to get my Justin Crokey clearing my throat <laughs> voice. very well. God, that man needs a lozenge, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, or a pint of beer in his face from Jazza. Dreadful creature. Awesome angel delight just to soothe... Well, shall we get over this bit now, the angel delight? Do you want to brag about that now or, or what? <laughs> Have you done the final reckoning? Do you know the numbers on this, Quentin? I gave up after about... <laughs> don't tell me in three figures now. Please don't. Uh, no, not it. I, we should explain for everyone. So normally, um, certainly recently, Quentin has become uh, very skilled at choosing the title for the episode. And I have very meekly accepted whatever he says. Um, but this time I felt that I, I hadn't some options as well. So we came up with the idea of putting it to a vote on Facebook. And I don't know, Quentin, I felt you went into this with some confidence. I did, and I, I think you—it was very clever mind games from you. I thought because you said, "Oh, you're going to win anyway," but let's let's do a poll just for the, just to see, you know, what they think. You know, that might make it a, a regular feature. So I said, "Yeah, okay." Thinking, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to walk this one, and um, I didn't. I'm trying to find <laughs> it now, actually. Uh, well, don't worry. I've I've got it in front. Oh, I've got of it in me. front of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you didn't tell people whose was whose no. idea, so they didn't know this was actually a battle. But we did put it on the Facebook, the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. I thought it only fair not to say whose whose was whose, <laughs> but I think they could probably work out for themselves that who who suggested the food one, who suggested the bottom one. Yes, um, that just shows the difference. You're smart, <laughs> and I'm food. <laughs> I'll go on then. So I, 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 I really thought I was going to wipe the floor with my strictly bum prancing because you know, there was a reference to the, to the Gleason twins, the bottom yes. prancing bunny. I, I thought that's yeah, it got it got it got how many votes? Seven votes. Whereas Angel Delight got seventy one votes. Seventy one votes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So thank you, everyone. You see, food wins. I do have an Angel Delight story, but I'll save that for later. I'm sure I just knew you would. I knew you would. <laughs> so well, I, I think. So I don't think we'll do any more polls. We'll just accept my, my, my title. <laughs> I want to do this every week now. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, you, you wiped the floor of me. Do I get um, a tiara? And the Ambridge's... Archer's listeners' obsession with food continues. I've still got to, I've got to, I've got to tune into this a bit more. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Mm. Solidarity. Way. Food over bums. I can't believe you. Anyway. <laughs> right. I, I, uh, should we talk about our weeks? Uh, that's, that's, Briefly, that, I think we've <laughs> gone on enough. That was a highlight of your week, obviously. You're going to rub my nose in it forever. It was. Do, do you want to know the highlight of my week? I had a reunion with a, I had a reunion lunch with some old BBC colleagues of mine some of whom I've known for 30 years or more, and they're also retired for the Beeb Like Me. We had a nice lunch in Derby, and I came home and I told my wife about it, put some photos up on Facebook. She knows them very well as well. She's worked with some of them over the years. And my wife looked at the photos, and she, and she said, oh, nice. But you all look like you've been put through one of those ageing apps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> you had a very yeah. nice bright blue shirt on quentin i thank you thank you yes 
my wife didn't say that. She came up with that instead. So there you go. <laughs> what about my week? What about my I week? I thought you just had your highlight. <laughs> Rubbing my nose in the dirt. Yeah. What's it? You're right. How about you? Have you got no, actually, I've got nothing else. To you can't. Add at all. You, you can't. That really top has that. been the highlight. It's been a quite you a bad top week. That, can you? To completely so, yes. thrash me in the poll. I'm just thrilled about that, and I do expect some sort of signed document from you, Quentin, that I am the winner in that. So, so thank you. This podcast will be called Angel Delight. Yes. Hurrah. Anyway, oh, we should just say, we'll mention it a few times, but next week, Quentin is off on one of his many jaunts. And so we will be recording on Saturday at 10.30am. So please do get your, we love your calls, but please get them as early as possible. Thank you. We record Saturday, 10.30am. Let's get on to the important bit, which is you, our caller in Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have Catherine, who's delighted this week was a bit of a bummer. Let's guess who wrote that introduction, honestly. Here we go. Hi, Dumpty Dump, it's Catherine. I'm out on my uh, COVID day eight walk. Uh, keep having positive tests, a negative test, but then sneak back into positive. So I'm hoping to go back to work soon. I'm boring myself, boring my husband, so I'll share that with you. But I was lying in the garden, which is tough, isn't it, when you're supposed to be at work, listening to the archers. I actually laughed out loud at the business with the Easter bunny. I thought that was brilliant. No resurrected fish, just the actual realisation that she patted somebody on the arse who's a total stranger. I want to know who it is. I fear it might be Leonard, you know, or maybe a non of Ambridge. Oh, God. I think it's someone like Leonard or somebody who's irritatingly jokey. Oh, God, please, it's not Eddie Grundy. I hate him and I hate his storylines. But apart from that, Lillian Russ, when is it going to be over? He is like, you know, about 80, isn't he? And she's, what, 21, 22? And in reality, this would have stopped ages ago. He holds no allure for her. There's not the forbidden. He's not this great masterful sort of teacher in a kind of weird way is it and it's just not realistic also i haven't forgotten that he was a sleaze bag and what does he do all day and why hasn't she gone off and got back with that that guy she met i can't remember his name there's the thing um the other guy that she met at the party she has no social life does she very realistically she never goes to anything does anything goes to the cinema talks about music or culture or clothes or anything that a girl in her 20s would talk about she just blathers on about Easter rabbit stuff. Anyway, the Easter bunny thing was a good Archer's joke. Well done, Archer's. But please, 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 when are Russ and Lily going to split up? There's no point to them. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you, Catherine. <clears throat> Catherine's not on Facebook, but if she had, if she was on Facebook, she would, I'm sure, have gone for my <laughs> one of my bottom, my slash bum options. Anyway. <laughs> I'm delighted to report that Catherine's now clear of, of COVID. Hooray! Hooray! So uh, she's a free woman again, and she loved the the the, the Easter Bunny story. And it, actually, many people did uh, the idea of um, patting and hugging a complete stranger. Uh, but it has obviously opened the gates to speculation as to who is inside this costume. Mm. Um, <laughs> I like her, Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> and thought of that. Um, I uh, I think it's is either Lee or Joy. I think Lee's the sort of bloke who'd dress up and hop around as a Easter bunny, and we haven't heard from him for ages. <laughs> or it could be one of the silent characters remaining silent, but given a little horn to honk <laughs> instead of lines. 
Who do you think might be inside the suit, Philippa? Well, I think it's Amy because it's the only way she can get about without being spotted and shouted at. And get more, and have some more physical contact, perhaps, yes, yes. But what was the noise of the rabbit? Uh, it sounded like chitty chitty bang bang. That what, wasn't the honking what, horn. That's... Yes. What what rabbit makes that? That's going to be a very weird version of Watership Down. If you have a rabbit sounded like like that, I didn't. Un- I mean, why would they do that? Well, because it's radio, and I suppose they have to make some sort of noise to <laughs> indicate their presence. But you could. Could be like Thumper from Bambi. And when I was listening with with AirPods for the Omnibus, I heard other sound effects. You could hear the rabbit moving about, uh, but um, just listening normally, you wouldn't. So I, I I was okay about that. I'm surprised there wasn't any human reaction when she patted their bottom. And you'd think she'd know how Russ feels, wouldn't you? Underhand, so to speak. Not through a stuffed toy yes. that is inside. Well, his height and his dimensions and everything. You'd think she. Anyway, well, I think how do you know it's different? It could be someone exact. It could be Russ Mark too. It could oh, be a clone. Please, Let's no. hope not. <laughs> um, I think Lee, because you've got to have somebody who's you know up for it, game for a laugh. Lee or Joy? So it's, it's not Amy. It's what's your serious suggestion? Come on. No, I think it is Amy. She can't. She can't get around without being she's, spotted by she's Alice too upset. and Fallon. So she's you'd hear all sobbing inside the bunny, wouldn't you? That wouldn't cheer people up, would you? <laughs> Catherine's desperate for Lillian Russ to be over, the sleazebag Russ. She obviously was phoning in before the the reveal that Lily made to Beth that she actually did have mm. a night of passion with Sol. So, but it's made her love Russ even more and realise how good we are together. Yeah. Mm. Do you know, no comment. because there was so much shouting this week, very shouty week, I made a list of all the shouting. Alice shouted at Chris. Susan <laughs> screamed. Susan shouted at Neil. Tracy shouted at Justin. Tracy shouted at Susan. Brian shouted at Neil and Hannah. And Alan shouted at Amy. So when Russ popped up with Freddie, it, was, it was felt like respite, you know. I thought, what's happening? You know, I'm actually relieved to hear Russ, which I never normally am. Maybe they got a problem with the studio. Maybe all the microphones were too far away this time. They're like, right, everyone, we can't do this as normal. Everyone's going to have to be shouty this week. <laughs> well, I think the COVID restrictions have been lifted, but it was shouty, wasn't it? Every, <laughs> every... They could all have... Yeah, they've all got COVID, so they're all standing like four right, miles Everyone's away. going to be arguing this week because we can't stand close together anymore, yes. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a thought. But there was a lot of shouting, wasn't there? At least, at least there wasn't a goldfish, you know. No. Let's that was a good week. I enjoyed one. this week. But, Plenty yeah. going on. And, and you know, good smattering of characters. We had lots of characters in this yes. week. Yes. Made a change. Lots of them, which is wonderful. And I do think, you know, the, the Barrow uh, stories is one they've got to plough more because that's got lots of interesting potential, hasn't it? Because um, I think we've pretty much had enough of Alice, you know, but that's going to accelerate still further. So I think we need something uh, that tempers all that a bit. And I think the Barrow stories is interesting and, and actually pulls in a lot of characters, doesn't it? I think next week we're going to hear more about that. Uh, that's certainly how it looks, or this week, I should say, from, yes. Later yes. today. But anyway, yeah. Catherine, a great first call for, for this week. Thank you ever so much. And now we go to our Rob, who's had to call about last week's episode of Dumpty Dum. Greetings, Philippa and Quentin and Dumpty Dummers around the world. Rob here. Time to throw everything out the window by not actually mentioning the Sunday episode, even though I'm phoning in on Sunday. Last week's prediction of mine was way off. However, the continuity announcer after the Sunday episode did say 
Alice is stunned by his shocking admission. So, let it roll. Might be Amy rather than Chris, but I'm going to claim it. Incidentally, talking about Alice, when she is says she is better now, my understanding of alcoholism is that you're never better. You're always an alcoholic. You're just in recovery. Maybe with this one can explain more about it. And yes, Quentin, I have been gently, I hope, encouraging Darcy to call in. And I was so pleased to hear her on so many levels. Lovely voice and such wise words. Can't wait to hear her again. And you said Brian is protecting his millions. What millions? I thought the reason that they were living in a tiny house which only has room for one or two tagines was down to the fact that Brian had blown all his money on getting out of his chemical criminalities. Well, that and his daughter deciding that her attempts were more important than her parents. And then Harrison and Fallon canoodling in the vestry. That is, surely, down to Harrison. Let's face it, as far as Fallon is concerned, they are just in a building. Could be an art gallery or a theatre as far as she's concerned. The church is supposed to mean something to Harrison now, following his public dunking. Let's see what this week brings, shall we? See you all. Bye now. Oh, thanks, Rob. Yeah, great call. I, I worry what you're going to say about this podcast this week, but never mind. And yes, Darcy, it was lovely to hear her her yes. voice and her wise words. Very Nobody's wise, ever said that wise. about us, Quentin, have they? Our wise words. It's, well, they've, um... they've wisely chosen not to, yes. <laughs> but I think Brian does have millions because they're sort of asset-rich, cash-poor, which is why they had to sell the their home but they've still got the farm itself yes, and it the the holding in bl of course it's all tied up properties. isn't it as you say in yeah. bricks and mortar and land yeah so but i mean considering his assets it is a tiny a, ta- a tiny house they live in yes with a say only room for two tagines and um, but we i felt like we had a lot of lessons this week you said quentin there was a lot of shouting but uh, I felt the BBC were very keen to make sure we know it is now spring and there are rabbits. There was quite a lot of reference to that. Uh, we, were, we were also keen to be informed about the pros and cons of rewilding versus intensive farming. And then the rice pudding versus angel delight. Uh, I, uh, there, was a, there was a lot of lessons. But yes, uh, I do feel it's now time for my angel delight story. Are you a fan of angel delight, Q, I should ask? I love a chocolate angel delight. And I used, used to have it as a kid all the time. But my mother also seemed to like butterscotch angel delight, which I hated. I do not like butterscotch angel delight. And she tended to buy more butterscotch than chocolate. So he was always really, a, you know, your heart sinks as a kid. You're looking forward to pudding. And out comes the butterscotch angel delight. Like, oh, I've got to pretend I like this. Chocolate I could scoff for England. But, yeah, so I'm split down the middle. Have you tried it recently? Because I used to love it, strawberry particularly and chocolate. And then I think it was when I was pregnant, I was told I needed more calcium. Out came the old angel delight and some milk. And it was I, it was disgusting. I couldn't eat it. <laughs> if, you, if you thought about it too much, you probably wouldn't eat it. But it just looks, it looks yummy, doesn't it? Well, my mother always recalls the story about how one day she'd gone in the cupboard for some, for some angel delight from my pudding when I was a child. And the only thing she could find was lime flavoured angel delight. Oh my God. And she offered it to me. And I, of course, said no. So then immediately she responded with, OK, well, would you like some Robinson Crusoe pudding? To which I said, yes. And she served me the pudding and I ate it all up. 
and it, she says it was just lime angel delight. Of course Which, it was. I said, did you put a palm tree in it or anything? No, nothing. That's marketing, no, she, isn't it? She simply, she simply fed your imagination. So ever since your pregnancy moment with Angel Delight, you haven't been able to touch the stuff, have you? I've never tried it again since it put me off. I, maybe I need to go back. And I've never in my life had Butterscotch Angel Delight. So not nice. this is another one for the Patreon video, maybe. It's probably more appealing than pickled eggs. I'll, I'll grant you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Where's, anyway, where's my Eccles cake? You're going to send me an Eccles cake? Well, we've got to... Yes, we need to record a video for April, so don't worry. It's in the pipeline. See all that pastry tumbling out of my mouth. Lovely. Yeah. Oh, well, that's... We're trying to re- retain <laughs> our Patreons. Anyway, thank you, Rob. Great. And now yeah, we go you. to Jenny with a G from Coventry, who has twin interests. Hello, Jenny with a G from Coventry here. Well... After a thoroughly depressing fortnight of episodes with joblessness on the horizon, custody battles, uh, hashtag Team Martha, by the way, and the fallout of Friends with Benefits, several things have right cheered me up. So firstly, yay, cricket is back. I love cricket. And go Tracy. But even better than that, hello, the Gleason twins, you marathon running, ballroom dancing silver foxes. Where have they been hiding? Well, I hope they find their voices. And anyway, it would only need one actor as their twins. So, you know, bargain. Secondly, freaky Hansy Easter Bunny. Who the heck was that? I hope it was someone whose bum Lily would be mortified to fondle, like uh, Jazza or Eddie, but it's probably much more mundane than that. And thirdly, the revelation that Russ is funny, apparently. Uh, as my nan would say, funny ha-ha. Oh, funny peculiar. Well, anyway, something to think about. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for that, Jenny, with a G from Coventry. Great to hear from you. Uh, she's, she's enjoyed this week, clearly. Uh, very bubbly, <laughs> very bubbly. She's delighted cricket is back. Thousands aren't. <laughs> <laughs> I always think with a cricket storyline, it's like the, the Panto storyline stretched out for even longer, isn't it? <laughs> um, anyway, um, I, I want to pick her up on the Gleason Twins uh, points because being a twin myself <laughs> I, I thought they do us twins a very a real disservice these damn Gleason twins the thing I hate most about dislike the most about being a twin is if ever you're treated as a freak and they often lots of documentaries of analyzing twins don't they and it's the twins who comply with the stereotype that oh you're twin you do everything together you think the same <laughs> thoughts you dress the same you eat the same you do the same and these damn gleason twins do that they? they did ballroom dancing together they gave it up together they do marathon running together they get they're still doing that they're playing cricket together they eat the same thing no no we need to rip up the stereotype gleason twins so uh, J- jenny might be a fan but at the moment i'm not i'm not i have a question about the number of Twins in Ambridge. There seems to be quite a few. You've got Freddie, Lily, Shula and Kenton, Gleason twins, Tom and Natasha having twins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a team of scientists arriving in Ambridge very soon to conduct experiments. I wonder if there's been an alien invasion or something. That's a lot for a little village. It is. I, to be fair, I think that would be a justified documentary because that's for such a small village, that is a very high proportion. <laughs> Yeah. My other question is when Russ, Lily and Freddie were talking, what was the noise? There was a noise like a plop, like someone was throwing something into water. I've listened to it again and again. I don't... Did you hear that? <clears throat> no, it's probably somebody throwing a brick at Russ and missing. <laughs> 
it was very it, no there was a definite plopping sound or something going into water and it was deliberate right yeah people need do, to do, listen and tell do, me do, do you listen to the dialogue at all <laughs> well i thought it was very odd when lily was saying oh your first wasn't she was trying to say your first word wasn't mummy it was money but it just sounded like she was saying your first word wasn't money it was money again i didn't think that worked so i listened to the words there i missed that one as well <laughs> was that to freddie was that to freddie <laughs> yes all oh, right yeah. but he's an entrepreneur of course don't you realize an entrepreneur and an artist oh bless yeah? him she can be cruel to him he's trying his best she just yeah. needs to leave him alone yeah. anyway jenny a superb call thank you very much and now we go to jen our ambridge pony club who is back and getting maternal well it is mothering sunday after all greetings quentin philippa and all in Dumpty Dumland, Jen calling in here. I haven't called in much. I've had enough of the Alice and Chris storyline already. The pair of them are behaving disgracefully. Everybody's primary concern should be Martha, and it's not really. They're just fighting out their battles through the child, which is horrible. Maybe if they hadn't got Mrs Doyle in as a mediator, they might be doing a bit better. The pair of them want to just cop themselves on. I found Alice's statement that Martha should be back where she belongs. Really? In your family? Children belong with their mothers? That could be very interesting if she came out with uh, any lines along that to, say, Ian, or to, well, certainly Ruri, or Nolly, or Sipo, or Phoebe. Being raised by your mother is not a typically Aldridge thing to be, just when it suits you, because you've suddenly decided that this little girl is very cute and nice, and bearing in mind that Chris has had the hard yards, he had the newborn stage, he had the, you know, getting woken up three, four times in the night stage, all the really hard yards. Martha's in the optimally cute and gorgeous, I mean, one-year-olds are amazing, it's the nicest, nicest stage. Is Alice really going to be there for her when she heads into the terrible twos? Yeah, her cousin Pip doesn't seem to like that stage very much. Does she really want to be doing this if she's actually talking about going back to engineering and all the rest? But then at the same time, Chris, he works full time. Why can't Alice do the childcare? The pair of them really want to stop thinking about themselves and start thinking about Martha. Thank you very much, Jen. I love that reference to Mrs Doyle, the mediator. Very good. Um, yeah, this is a really interesting point you've made. And I would love to hear Alice talking to her siblings, to Kate, to Adam, to hear what their view is on this. I mean, when Adam was talking, it was so odd because he said, how is, and then he paused as if trying to remember her name. And How is Alice. I thought you don't even know your sister's name. What kind of weird family is this? No, well, that we, was, should, we should know. That was just a typical Adam Long pause, wasn't it? In between a sigh, probably. I mean, for me, this was a week of me moving again from one side to the other. I mean, hmm. I'm not a huge fan of Alice, but I couldn't bear Chris as well. And letting himself into her house at 6am. I could understand it if Alice had Martha with her and he was concerned. But that's totally out of order and Alice I mean I'm sorry if a friend ghosts you you don't go round to their parents house and ask what's wrong um and as we mentioned in the script at the beginning Alan shouting Amy she's gone within a nanosecond of yeah Alice. I thought it was funny yes and great <laughs> booming vicarish voice yes 
<laughs> oh dear, he's not good at lying, is our Alan? That's that's what emerged no, no, this week. Neither's no, no, Neil when he was challenged by Brian. Have you told anybody? Uh, 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 yeah. Got to go. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Jen has been listening for years, and she has a deep knowledge of all the relationships. And she's, you know, this entitlement to be a mother within the Aldridge household is, is an interesting observation, given their track record. Mm. And uh, she's, she's absolutely spot on, especially Kate, for goodness sake. <laughs> Does she know where her children are? Um, so, yes, um, once again, the Aldridges don't cover themselves in, in glory. But she's coming out fighting, isn't she? Alice, she 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 is uh, sober and she's cold and she's hard nosed now, isn't she? And mm-hmm. she really is up for a fight. And that was picked up by Brian as well, wasn't he? And in the pub when he was talking to I think Tony and mm-hmm. Adam, he he said, you know, he always growled the world. You know, she's she's determined to get Martha. So it's sadly degenerating into a fight when everybody on here is saying, look. You, Martha should be the priority, mm. not what you both want. Thank you, Jen. Yes, thank you, Jen. Difficult situation, but brilliant call. Thank you so much. And we'll have some more of your calls in a moment, including a call from Stephen, who's been analysing the data for us. But if you're thinking, I'd like to record a message and I wonder how to do it, here's how. Whether you're a first-time, occasional, or even a very regular caller in a row, we do love hearing from you. And the best way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to speakpipe.com slash dumptydum. And you'll also find a link to that in the show notes. Don't forget, there's a T in the middles. It's dumptydum. Honestly, it is very, very easy to do it. You can have as many goes as you like in the privacy of wherever you do it. So do not worry. Uh, also, have a look at our pinned tweet on the Dumpty Dum Twitter account to find all the details of how to leave us a message. We normally record at 12 noon on a Sunday, except it's my fault again. Next week is going to be 10.30 uh, Saturday morning next week. So please get your calls and emails in and so forth no later than that. That's 10.30 next Saturday. Make sure you keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and uh, you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now, we need your help. There are three things you can do. First of all, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe and give us a five-star review. It would be hugely appreciated. Secondly, if you can write a nice review, oh, well, that helps even more. And finally, the third thing is that you could consider becoming a Patreon. Patreon is a way of tipping creators, and there are different levels with different rewards. And we will be doing a video in April about the dreaded Eccles Cakes. I'm not a fan of a raisin, so we'll see how that goes. Anyway, if you just go to patreon.com and search for Dumpty Dum, we'd be chuffed to bits to have your support. Back to our calls. And next we have formerly cycling Christine, who's sorry about Alice's double standards. Hello, Philippa, Quentin and all fellow Dumpty Dummers. This is formerly cycling Christine here. Firstly, I'd like to say how much I agree with Glyn Fuller Love last week. I'm definitely not Team Alice and I'm definitely not Team Chris. I'm Team Martha. And I think it's just a shame that neither Alice nor Chris seem to be Team Martha. Both of them are putting their wants, their needs and what they think is right ahead of what's best for Martha. And I think they should both concentrate on Martha, should try better to get along with each other because two warring parents is not in Martha's best interest and she should always come first. Secondly, I found it very interesting this week to see Alice's reaction to Amy. Last year, 
we had Alice, whenever she did something wrong the next day, thinking if she said sorry, the other person would just accept it. And when she said to Rory, you have to forgive me, she was completely nonplussed and couldn't understand when he said, no, I don't. She expected people to forgive her if she was sorry. And yet here we are. Amy is very sorry for what she's done. And Alice doesn't behave in the way she expected people to behave towards her. Finally, I'd like to say one of the things I enjoy about the Archers, or have enjoyed, apart from a couple of recent things, is the way things happen and the repercussions sort of don't come immediately. They come out a lot later. And I thought that was the case this week with suddenly Lily's dalliance with Sol coming to the fore and it being brought back up again so long after the event that now we're going to see its repercussions, I'm sure. Anyway, thank you all. Bye. Thank you as ever, Christine. Your calls always are uh, make one ponder and think, so thank you very much. Keep them coming. Um, yes, uh, your uh, main point was about Alice's reaction to, to Amy and, and double standards, and it chimed with uh, this this thread I saw on Twitter this morning uh, between uh, Andrew Thackeray at Thackers One, and he said, Her Imperial Highness Alice of Ambridge can behave like a vile monster for a year and demand forgiveness from everybody, but God forbid anybody else makes a mistake, which is exactly what Christine was saying, to which Ninzi replied, Absolutely, she's projecting her great sense of guilt and inadequacy on others, and it's very ugly. She'll learn the hard way whenever she has a relapse. And so I think all three of them are really onto something here, Philippa, because, you know, she went round didn't she particularly with Rory saying I'm sorry I'm sorry please forgive me please forgive mm. me and was staggered when he refused um, and that expectation of forgiveness she is not prepared to um, apply to either Amy or Chris and it really is double standards it may well come back to bite her if as Ninzi just suggested she has a relapse and suddenly she needs people to lean on again so I, I mean you can understand her being furious and hurt and a sense of betrayal but there was no proportion there was there she quickly forgot what a hole she was in only a few months ago and how these people helped her out so it'll be interesting to see how this pans out uh, yeah I, I suppose she sees everything that happened and with all that w went on with rory as um the alcoholism and she sees that that's not her now mm. and she's very definite in that view and you know good for her that's amazing how far she's come but she's caused a lot of damage as she's gone and it's you know it's hard for everyone else to keep up with new alice i mean that scream of hers it's visceral um, wasn't it yeah, yeah i just mm. thought when amy went round to tell us amy do you not know what litigation is and all these legal proceedings, you are making everything worse. It seemed a very quick turnaround of the story. Well, it it also well. made me think, did Alan Anusha suggest to her that she go round, advise her to go round and tell Alice? That, that, that's what, what the implication was, which to me seemed very foolish advice. Oh, I didn't, personally, I didn't think that. I didn't think she told them what had happened until later on in the week. And then we had that scene at the end of the week when Alan was consoling her. But Alan said, you know, shouted out after Alice, uh, she will get in touch with you, I'll make sure she does. And then before shouting out Amy's... Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I did. It's interesting. So I, had, I had they advised her to go and tell her? Or as you say, did Amy then come back and tell them that she'd told 
uh, Alice that she slept with Chris. I don't know, it wasn't entirely clear, but I sincerely hope they didn't advise her to go and tell Alice because what's it achieved? Okay, I've got a question here, and you're going to love this question because it's smutty, but I've got to ask it. Okay, prepare yourself, Q, for this. Am I going to be shocked? Am I going to blush? <laughs> Hold on, so... everybody. Hold on. <laughs> Philippa is about to be smutty. This well, is it's a question podcasting history. To it. Okay, so Amy was all about, oh, Chris, I really, I really fancy you, I really like you, but we won't do anything. And Chris was the same. And then Amy went round to Chris and she couldn't get out of there fast enough. Is he, to use a technical term, quite bad in the bedroom department? Because that girl was out of there. And since then, she has tried to remove herself from the situation. So I think if he was, you know, a god in the bedroom, she would be, mm. yeah, um, what do you think? Um, well, they had a kiss afterwards, didn't they? So she was Yeah, but then she was like, no, no, no. I, th- I, no, I think it's guilt. Mm. I think I think it was complete. Oh, my God. Okay. She, was, she was a bit tiddly, wasn't she? She had a few in the pub, went round, woke up. Oh, my God, what have I done? And she's been full of remorse. It's been remorse. Yeah, but he since. was texting her and wanting her and she didn't want anything to do with it. I thought, oh, Because she didn't want to make it worse. High expectations. Um, I mean, he might have been hopeless in a sack, but, I mean, obviously the, the clothes were scattered all over the bedroom, so... <laughs> sounded quite passionate to me uh, who knows uh, I, I don't know but he, he I was interested by his reaction when he when she knocks on his door at six in the morning he, he just he just didn't want to see it he's like what are you doing here you know there's no sort Hasn't of a section heard of a telephone I mean why do you go around why do you sort of pack a picnic and go around to knock on well, someone's door well I just think last time he knocked on the door look what happened you know dangerous <laughs> Um, but he, his attitude, um, she was clearly in distress and he was like, what are you doing here? Oh, 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 oh. You know, he was really grumpy. I know it was six in the morning, but he, his antennae should have been really alert, shouldn't they? To think, oh, something's up. I think she might have more interest in him than the other way around. Anyway, let's see, we can put out a poll. Was Chris hopeless in bed? <laughs> no, because you'll win that one. I'm, yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's, it was a, just something that... Anyway, there we go. Yes. Well, I'm but, delighted. I mean, uh, yeah, honestly, this she's cracking, folks. She's cracking. <laughs> um, but formerly psyching, Christine, that was a great call. And you mentioned this point about what you love about the archers, the sort of simmering repercussions. Well, do keep listening because the book um, item with Joanna Toy will make reference to that in the archers later on. So uh, that will reinforce it exactly what you've said. But now we need to go on to Stephen, who's carried out a time and emotion study. Hello, you two. Be warned, this call may contain heresy. There's been a lot of debate about Chris and Alice recently, and it's got me thinking, how well do we actually know these two people? So I looked into this, with help from Mike Hatton's character counts and some supplemental information from Simon Aves Harry. By my calculations, since the beginning of 2015, We've been in Alice's company for a total of between 18 and 25 hours. And we've been in Chris's company for between 10 and 14 hours. And obviously we've heard what other people have said about them. Even so, spread over more than seven years, that's really not that long. If Chris or Alice were real people, I doubt we'd be so opinionated about their situation to our Twitter followers or even our Facebook friends, because we'd recognise that there must be an awful lot that we didn't know about what they were going through. But... The fact is that those few hours are all there is to know about Chris and Alice. There isn't anything they know, but we don't. Unless we make it up for ourselves, 
which each of us inevitably does based on our experiences of situations and people that we do know more about. So we end up each listening to a different Chris, a different Alice. So it's hardly surprising that we can find ourselves disagreeing quite sharply about the rights and wrongs of their actions. But it's all fine, because when it comes down to it, Chris and Alice aren't real people. And how I think of them and how other people talk about them has absolutely no bearing on how we would treat each other in similar circumstances. So, what do I conclude from all of this? Well, that's simple. Chris and Alice are both pretty awful people, and baby Martha should be handed over to Kirsty and Rex for placement with a suitable family of wolves in the rewilding forest. You know it makes sense. Right you are. Stephen, a great call. That's wonderful. I mean... I'm still in shock. I'm shocked. The level of research. They're they're, they're not... Hold on. No, no, no. That's important. But he doesn't think they're real people. (laughs) The heresy. I mean, he used the word himself. Heresy. (laughs) He's so right, though, that we... What we hear, we then use our own experience to form our judgment on yes. on the characters. So, yeah. But you were saying, Filippo, about the level of research. Oh, the mm. level of research Stephen has done is incredible. I mean, to Amazing. come out with this, uh, a superb. This needs to be a weekly thing, Stephen. I'm sorry. It's it's great. Uh, can I ask you, Stephen, though, to research and provide us with an answer of how did everyone find out about Barrow Farm? Who... Who blabbed? Was it Martin Gibson? Was it Lillian? Or was it... Lillian, I think. Well, Justin went for that meal with the BL cohorts to discuss what what their battle plan would be. And everyone likes to go... In Ambridge, everyone goes out for meals when they've got to discuss confidential information. Mm. And so it would be so wonderful if someone heard from Justin talking, you know, the irony of that. And Justin lingering in the pub, listening to a conversation, saying Barrow Farm expects loyalty from its employees. What about the employees expecting loyalty from their employer? And then when he turned up to the cricket and went into the pub, oh, he has no idea, no empathy at all. Yeah, my hunch is Lillian has told Tony, is, is my hunch. And I hate that line when people say something. It's not, it's not personal. And he's telling Jazz he's going to lose mm. his job. It's not personal. Bugger off, you know. Mm. Ridiculous thing to say. Stephen has supplied methodology because people will be thinking, how on earth has he come to these calculations? And this is his methodology. He sent it to us. He says, I reckon that an appearance on an Archer's episode averages out to around five to seven minutes of airtime. So Alice's 219 appearances since the start of 2015 total between 18 hours, 15 minutes, and 25 hours, 33 minutes. Chris has appeared only 121 times, so totals between 10 hours, 5 minutes, and 4 hours, 7 minutes. I love the way he's got down to minutes as well. <laughs> um, so that's his methodology, folks. So when you think about we've had a whole day of Alice, haven't we, since 2015? Mm. Can you imagine it? A whole day of Alice. But a whole life condensed into just one day. It's extraordinary, <laughs> really. Which made me think, imagine what the figure would be for Peggy. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Stephen, you have taken uh, devotion to the Archers to a whole new level. Extraordinary. Thank you very mm, much. Yes. Wow. Can't wait for the next one. And now we go to Natalie from Torquay with a sense of betrayal. Hello, Dumpty Dam. This is Natalie from Torquay. Message for Quentin is requested. Um, I just thought I'd leave a note about Alice's reaction to Amy's confession. A lot of people have been a bit cruel about it, I thought, but 
I really felt for her. I felt uh, for her because she felt betrayed by her friend. And there was a lot of that in that scream, the frustration and disappointment and just heartbreak. So I really heard that in that scream. I really get the impression that Amy's feelings for Chris are stronger than Chris's feelings for Amy. Um, you know, she turned up at his door at 6am, wanted to look after Martha. She talks about them as if they're a thing. Obviously, she hasn't been in touch with him so much uh, in saying that she'd been hiding in her dad's house. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I get the impression that her feelings are stronger than his feelings. He just wanted, you know, she was there. She turned up at his door and it happened. But anyway, time will tell. Um, Alice um, is looking great or sounding great. She's doing really well. She's stronger. You know, she's obviously uh, not the perfect character, but she's reacting really well. On another note, I did wonder, sorry, my mind is jumping all over the place, uh, if Ian was turning up at Susan's doorstep in order to gossip about what he'd heard from, uh, you know, the triangle there, um, but then he thought against it. I did wonder. All right, that's me for now. Thank you. Merci, uh, Natalie. Antidage, weak maid, she called called me by my French pronunciation, Quentin. So thank you, Natalie. Yes. Uh, she remembered. I'm chuffed by that. Um, yeah, let's pick up on this uh, Ian mm. Susan little moment. That was... Because they became pals and they got tiddly, didn't they, the other week? Yeah. Uh, Adam invited her around, and I loved that scene when they started um, admitting who they fancied in the village. So they're obviously trying to develop, aren't they, this this uh, friendship between them. Uh, but he just popped in, didn't he? And then we got the angel delight moment. Um uh, do you think that's an area they're trying to develop? As a well, friendship? I'd love to hear more of that, but it just seems strange, given both their connections to Chris mm. and Alice, that there wasn't any discussion about that. It just felt like the elephant in the room. I was really surprised that it didn't move on to that. And is Grey Gables going under? I mean, Ian was talking about the number of tables. Three covers. Yeah, Three it's covers, not yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but it's just there was, just, I mean, there were little insights into their characters, wasn't it? In a very short scene, and it was, it was fun, wasn't yes. it? Um, what it revealed, and uh, it prompted this funny exchange on Twitter between uh, Little Kim and uh, Sam Dean, and uh, um, because we heard what they like to watch on television, didn't <laughs> they? And uh, so Little King, Little Kim, kicked it off by saying, "Susan watches ITV." The witch. <laughs> to which Sam replied, Oh, Susan is so Ant and Deck. And then they suggested that Kenton was as well, Ant and Deck, uh, which led to this discussion of Kenton's viewing habits. <laughs> he sobs at Paul What's His Face at Battersea Dogs <laughs> He live tweets Homes Under the Hammer. He tries for all the phone ins with Phil and Holly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic. I love that exchange of those Very funny. Could have. Could have gone gone on for much longer. So Ian Top Chef just wants tomato soup uh, with uh, some cheese on it with white bread and some a butterscotch angel delight. 
discuss. It's food. Off you go, Philip. I'll, I'll go make a cup of tea. Oh, well, yes. Well, we've already talked about the Angel Delight. And this week, there was just so many food references. The carrot cake. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I can understand a chef. Chocolate? Yes. Oh, yeah. The salted caramel truffle. Are you a fan of the salted caramel truffle? Oh, yes. I, I salted caramel. I'm, yeah. Anytime. Yeah, I like salt. Yes, it's amazing. Who'd have thought that adding salt to things would just make it? Is this a new chocolate shop, though, in in Ambridge? When when did did this pop up? Or is it in Felbershire? It's popped up next to the fish and chip shop that's just arrived as well. But where? Where? It's on the street. In Ambridge? Uh, No, it's not in Ambridge. In in Borsetshire, you just go round the corner, you see the fish and chip shop on the right, and it's just there on the left next to it with the fancy window. Because these are real places, aren't they? Of course they are, yeah. And I love the fact that Beth didn't go for the extravagant Easter egg. It was a really good sign of her character, I I thought. But yes, this meal that Ian wanted, I've never put cheese on a soup before, but then... French onion soup, it works well. I can imagine it's lovely. And you just want simple stuff. I thought he was going to say like baked beans on toast. Sorry, you don't put cheddar cheese on tomato soup? Grated cheese? No, I don't. I'm not a fan of a tomato soup. We're at school every day. You had to bring in your own sandwiches, but you had to have soup there. And often it was mushroom soup, but sometimes it'd be... And it's just put me off soup forever. You still managed to eat lime... Angel Delight one day, though, didn't you? Only because I thought it was Robinson Crusoe pudding. Not that I knew it was lime Ooh. pudding. I didn't know. I was led astray. Perhaps what I said to you, it's like drinking lava. How about that? Tomato soup. Do you know? No. Yeah, that actually made me more interested in it then. Yes. And with cheese on the top. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, What's your favourite bread? Are you a white bread person or are you a mixed seed? I'm not really into seedy stuff. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are, as my in, did. Oh, yes, you as are. In bread. <laughs> <laughs> God, once I mention food, we're a complete tangent with you, aren't we? As if we don't get as many calls as normal. I'm sorry, call in more next week, everyone. They'll probably say, I want to listen to the archers, not talk about I bloody know, food on Nottingham. I'm sorry, I apologise now. But it won the poll by a landslide, so they're still clearly obsessed by food as you are. <laughs> but no, Natalie, that was uh, just a, yes. a wonderful call. Great to hear from you again. And now we go to Beth Speculation, a first-timer on whether Lily's in the pink. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Beth Speculation here. So this is a first recording from myself, as I'm recently new to the Dumpty Dum podcast. However, I have been listening to The Archers since 2019, when I was driving home randomly from a day out. And we heard Will Grundy try to basically shoot himself. So ever since then, I've become wildly hooked. Now, I quite like uh, coming up with not necessarily wild, wild, but I like to just throw, throw some wild speculation out there. Do it quite often with my husband in terms of around the archers and like theories of what I think are going to happen. Mark, so today's wild spec, wild Beth speculation is that. Lily, obviously, we were wondering when was that going to come out of the woodwork in terms of her sleeping with a colleague from like quite a few months ago. I have said what like for months, I reckon she's pregnant and I reckon that she doesn't know about it because if you think about it, she got with a work colleague and then a couple of weeks later, she like decided she wanted to be with Russ again. And then her and Russ had a, what we would say, a fruity, a fruity time at uh, Grey Gables, maybe in room 210. We're not quite sure. But just, you know, just for that soap dramatic fashion, I really think or I want to wildly speculate that it's going to come out of the wash that all of a sudden she's going to be pregnant 
And then she's not going to know who the father is. Just going to throw this one out there because why not? Love a bit of wild speculation. That's all from me. Apologies if this was rushed. I was a little bit nervous because it was a new call. But uh, thanks for listening. Thoughts, please, P and Q. Thank you. Best speculation. What a great first call. You didn't sound nervous at all. It was super. We love a speculation. Um, could could she be pregnant? Who is the father? Oh, interesting. Uh, I mean, anything that ties her to Russ is a bad idea as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I I don't know. It's a it's a mystery to me. Another mystery, while I'm on mysteries, who are Miguel and Jody working at Barrow Farm? I haven't heard about them before. So, Beth, no. we need your speculation about them as well. Yes, yeah, so they were just dropped in, weren't they? Mm. Um, great to hear from you, Beth. And uh, very confident first call to call in again. Uh, she was hooked since that Will storyline, um, which was alluded to quite recently by Eddie, wasn't it? Um so quite a storyline to to get hooked on, and no wonder you're, st- you're still um, in the great sea that is the Archers. Well done. Um, the, the pregnancy thing, I, I think a lot of listeners will think, oh, no, not another one, too much of a cop-out. We've got too many pregnancies or had too many recently, um, and you know people have been wondering whether Fallon is pregnant because of her mood swings. So I think to have another pregnancy... <laughs> would probably be too much especially if it was russ's oh god but uh who knows i mean that perhaps explains why she uh grabbed the bottom of a complete stranger maybe she started to act strangely um but i i i think it's a little early for lily i, I don't think she is is my hunch but i've often been proved wrong but um yeah thank you beth Please keep calling in. It could make some interesting scenes, you know, who is the father and uh, maybe a a longer story to pan out. But yes, we're all for predictions. So, Beth, thank you so much. And now we go to our Rob again, who is angling for a perfect prediction. Hello there to Quentin, Philippa and Dumpty Dummers around the world. I just thought that I'd have a go at seeing if I can get three rubbish predictions on the trot. My next prediction is that the Sol and Lily interlude is going to be discovered because Beth's going to tell somebody. Because the way Lily was saying, oh, her relationship with Russ is so much better now. It sounded as though Russ actually knew about her bit of infidelity. I think that uh, Beth might also jump to that conclusion and just think, oh, well, she's just being discreet. But it's not a really big secret. We shall see. Hopefully this one will take months to play out again. And uh, everybody will have forgotten about this prediction by then. See you all. Bye now. Hello again, Rob. I'm I'm, I'm in the business of knocking down predictions. I I don't think that's going to happen, Rob. Not from Beth, because I I think she genuinely just didn't want to know. And um, she actually gave a lesson in discretion for Fallon, which said it's just not my business either. So I don't think any leak will come from Beth because she's clearly been hurt by all that in the past by a previous boyfriend. But that's interesting. You think Russ already knows? Mm-hmm. Kinky. Maybe that turns it on. But yeah, some men get turned on by these things, Philippa. Or Beth thinks Russ knows. She assumes, that's what Rob's saying, that it's oh, not... And the- then that's why he... That's why she will confirm to Exactly, him. yes. She's going oh, to... I miss the nuance. Yes. I miss the nuance. Oh, you can't, but do you think if... You can't knock predictions, Q, you know. We, who knows? You predicted that your title would win, and we know how that turned out. So there'll be no knocking any predictions. Thank you very much. 
Are, are you ever going to forget this? No, 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 no. never. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> but I don't. I think I don't think even Beth. She was adamant. I don't think she, even if she thought Russ knew, she would say anything. But we don't know. He really... we, there's a lot we couldn't have foreseen in the Archers lately. So you don't know. I'm willing to. Well, I mean, you know, all your, all, all your predictions at the end of this podcast always come true. So no, they never do, but that's deliberately yeah. done. Actually, I think we need to get Stephen to do an audit of your predictions. Oh, find out well, if, if we're going to do that, then I'll change them. I just do it for hijinks, no, not for I, accuracy. I might ask him on the. I might ask him on the slide to just do an audit of your predictions, see if any have actually but what, come to fruition. What's this place, Paradise Garden, where they had cocktails? I mean, cocktails. Is yes. that a new Grundy initiative or a new area of the rewilding? I wasn't entirely sure. And where is that? I'm I'm losing myself so geographically. Paradise where Garden, is? So you know you've got the fish and chip shop on the right, and then you've got the new chocolate shop on the left. Well, Paris, yes. you go along the street and turn the corner. Paradise Garden's just there. Yeah. In. Borchester. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, right, right. Well, it is in my Thank mind you. anyway. Oh, uh, just the... Oh, I see. You, you've put them there, have you? I'm, I'm completely making all of this up. So are they actually in Borchester? I'm really knowing everything. Are they in Borchester or in Felpersham? Or, <laughs> they could be in Felpersham. They could be in Australia. We do not know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were going along with my little uh, little line. Another well, line. Convincing. Another line I liked. I was convinced. Tracy about Tony. Tony may not be up to much, but he's got my back. And, oh, thanks. I think that's a compliment. It's not really yeah. Tony. Bless you. <laughs> no, it's, not. it's not really. She has, some, she has some good lines this she week. She did. Tracy. But Rob, I thought yeah. that was a great prediction. And call in again with more predictions to, to wind queue up but anyway those are the calls but you can also send us an email if you'd prefer yeah if, you, if you'd rather do that visit the dumptydum.com website and click the contact us tab at the top of the page please do get your calls in next week by uh 10 30 a.m on saturday we're recording it earlier this uh, next week remember also you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments and so we go from our caller in to our email in Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And our first email is from an anonymous listener, I believe. And uh, the subject is uh, not a non of Ambridge message. And it reads as follows. I lived for 10 years with a wonderfully beautiful, sexy man, the life and soul of the party, but he was very controlling. Our daughter was seven years old when I decided I needed out. I was always the financially independent of the couple, so I bought a house and then announced I was leaving. He was furious and tried to take complete control of the parenting of our child. Our mediation was very similar to that of Chris and Alice. I tried not to rock the boat to keep things as calm as I could for our daughter. It was a battle for months until he agreed to equal parenting. She spent one week with me and one week with him and his partner. Years passed and the child had more and more need to say what she wanted. It didn't suit him and he fought every change he wanted to make. Sadly, the result is that 20 years later, she has a very poor relationship with her father and considers my husband her go-to dad. So in my experience, even shared parenting needs a lot of give and take on both sides. And as Martha grows, there should be a means with possibly a mediator for her to change the rules. Thanks for not saying who this is from. Hope the shingles clear up soon, Quentin. And thank you both for a great job with Dumpty Dum. Hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for your thoughts about my shingles. They are still giving me jip, but uh, hopefully bit by bit I'll get over them. Um, And thank you for what you said about the podcast. Yes, um, interesting that um, here's somebody who's gone through this in real life mm. and everybody is saying, oh, it should be share parents, should be 50-50. I mean, it's, that's still clearly riddled with problems as well, especially if one parent wants more of a say than the other. And as Glyn said last week, the voice we haven't heard yet is that of Martha's and that's going to grow stronger and stronger the older she gets. And if you get that wrong, clearly judging by the, this person's experience, then that parent's uh, is the loser. Uh, mm. She's saying 20 years later that their daughter now has a very poor relationship with her natural father. So, yeah, um, perhaps we do need Nora in the middle there to, to sort this all out, but I, we're a long way from that, aren't we, given that they're at each other's throats now? Yeah, I thought this email was so interesting. Um, mm. And it just shows that it's, it's, almost, it's never ending, is it? Just because you might sort something out at one point, it then the situation changes and it is about the child and what the child wants. So if you have a, a partner who's controlling, it, it, that's that's not going to go away and that's going to yeah. impact the child as well. I mean, I really am grateful for this insight and it, oh, crikey, it does make mm. you think there's no simple solution to this, is there at all? Because I know people who are involved with shared parenting and another problem emerges when the child or brother and sister or siblings or whatever actually have a preference for who they'd rather Mm, be with mm -hmm. and they go out of obligation to the other one but they'd rather be with the other parents Mm. and that causes all sorts of problems and then if that one of their parents meets somebody new 
whether or not they get on with a new partner, whether or not that partner wants to impose rules they don't agree with, and it, all sorts of tensions emerge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, 50-50 isn't necessarily the, um, the sticking plaster for all this. I think it really has to be 50-50. <laughs> it's when it strays into other percentages, doesn't it? Oh, in terms of control. Of, in terms of control. Yeah. There is no simple solution. It just shows how complex it is and and never sort of set in stone, continually evolving. Mm. But no, thank you for that. Um, yeah. Not an on of, of Ambridge. Um, that was much appreciated. And now we go to our second email, which is from Natasha with the subject, hello from Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Philippa and Quentin. Your demand for Australian listeners goaded me to contact you. I stumbled on Dumpty Dum a few months ago, but started listening to The Archers at my mother's knee in the 1960s, along with my father's irritated impressions of Walter Gabriel, 1960s answer to Joe Grundy. At university, my friends and I would congregate with our hangovers and bottomless cups of Nescafe to listen to The Archers omnibus while thinking wistfully of Sunday lunches at home. Since then, I don't think I have met anyone who admits to listening to the archers this might be because i haven't lived in the uk for 30 years when i first left for japan my dad overcame his hatred of the archers and offered to record it for me for the next eight years i waited excitedly for little parcels of cassette tapes to find me in tokyo new york and hong kong the quality was mixed sometimes there was just a recording of my parents bickering over their sunday toast and marmalade (laughs) we were both relieved when i got to australia and podcasts were invented In general, I'm constantly amazed how such an idyllic place as Ambridge can produce such selfish, unempathetic people, epitomised by Tom and Pip Archer. Roy, aside from the goldfish laps, Oliver, Jim and Neil are the only ones who behave like rational people. I want to know what happened to Roy's sister, Brenda. A few years back, she had a spin-off adventure where she went to Russia with Matt Crawford and then she disappeared without a trace. Hope this isn't too long, Tash in Melbourne. Well, Quentin, you've got your, your answer. You've got yes. your Australian contact. Do call in. Natasha. I yes. love this idea of your dad recording the archers and sending it to you and <laughs> bickering. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm sorry that they were bickering, but I think that's, that's really funny to hear. So, of course, Brenda, we haven't heard from for a while because she went off to Russia um, with, as you mentioned, <laughs> Lillian and Matt with that awful uh, series of episodes. And then didn't she come back briefly, oh, some years ago, early, I don't know, 2013, 14, something like that, um, to say that she'd got engaged and she'd got a a new life, a new job in London and and all was well. So I'm sure she'll return at some point, but I don't know when. Do you know when, Q? No. I can't even get the. I can't even win a poll at the moment. <laughs> oh, the title of the podcast, let alone, now. Oh. let alone come up with a prediction that will be uh, correct. I love this idea of uh, her father, who hated the archers, still devoted enough to his daughter to actually send her cassettes mm. all around the world. Whereas other young people were hoping for a cassette of the top 40. <laughs> she, she hankered after a cassette of the Archers. That is dedication, that is. So I take my hat off to you, Tash, for that and to your father. And uh, yes, as Philippa said, call in next time because you'd love to have some Australian accents on, on Dumpty Dum. So anybody listening in, in Oz, uh, do call in 
because uh, we'd love to hear your views on that side of the world. And anybody not in Oz, you're very welcome. Oh, yes, everybody, yes. <laughs> yes everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll have no calls, will we? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not Australian, I can't phone in. No, no, no. <laughs> How much food will we have to cover next week with no calls? Anyway, we've got God. a third email, and of course it's from Anon of Ambridge. All right, yes, of course. Uh, <clears throat> a week wouldn't be the same without this. Dear Uncle Quentin and Auntie Philippa, I would like to join the veterans cricket, but I'm not old enough, although I have my own cricket bat. What should I do to get included? It looks fun and Tracy is a laugh. Thank you, Anon of Ambridge. Well, the interesting thing about this, Philippa, is that we're getting a slight little windows opening on a bit more on who Anon of Ambridge is. Um, Not quite old enough to join the veterans cricket team. So what was the cutoff? Was it 65, she said? Yeah. So what do you reckon? Anon of Ambridge? I don't late fifties. Yeah, I think late late fifties, I think. Yeah. But I just feel I feel sorry for them because I think they're quite lonely and I think that's really sad given that how much Well, they were left in the pub, weren't they, the other week Aww. because they were talking about aliens. Um and <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just you... Well, I mean I suppose you could Perhaps Anon could put makeup on and look older, or put send a photo <laughs> through. Why people put makeup on? <laughs> no, 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 prosthetics and stuff, noses, extra hair, you know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you could do Anon of Ambridge. You could offer to do the teas for the cricket, or just help with them, because then you wouldn't have to. Play. I know you got your own cricket bat, but at least you'd be there and be part of things and chatting with everyone. And uh, be better than Shula's meat paste sandwiches. So yeah, I just get involved. Be brave. Don't don't feel lonely. You see, I mean, I think if you've got any technique, anon, you've got a cricket bat. You obviously have played. I think Tracy would bite your hand off. Anyway, I think she's going to struggle to get enough sixty-five plus, and they'll all get injured, won't they? And and you know, we'll be off for weeks. And if she's willing to recruit that snake, Justin who was going to be a star batsman, if you happen to be a, a very good batter and on, I think you could get in there. So put, you know, um, either send a photo through an ageing app to make yourself look older, put heavy prosthetics on to make yourself look older, or just get involved. This is our longest answer we've ever given to Anon. We've obviously thought about this. We're worried about your welfare. Yes. And, uh, and, and because, yeah, I think you would, I think you need to have a laugh and on. I think you need to get a bit of a life and a bit of a social life. And I think with Tracy at the helm, you would have that laugh. So that's what we're suggesting to you. Let us know how you get on. Marvellous. Well, thank you for your calls and emails. We love them. Do keep calling in. And now on to Dum Dee Book Dum. Now, the name Joanna Toy might or might not mean something to you. However, not only is Joanna's latest book published this week called Wedding Bells for the Victory Girls, but Joanna has been a major part of the Archers team in the past, from script writing to producing the show. Joanna Toy, you are the queen of the archers. Welcome to Dum Book Dum. Well, I think I have to take issue with that for a start. That's very, very kind, but I certainly don't recognise myself in that description. I mean, you've been on the producing side, the script writing side. What are your general impressions of your time working on the archers? I was just incredibly fortunate. Um, I started as production secretary and my stroke of good luck was to be placed in the archers office. Um, where I really, uh, it taught me all I know in terms of writing. I'd always wanted to write, but didn't think it was feasible as a career. Um, and I just had the, the best.
best time. Uh, it was really one of those jobs that didn't feel like work. You never knew what was going to happen. Is it true? Do they have like these timelines almost on the wall of what what's going to happen to a character through their lifetime? When I started, it, it was so back in the day that all the scripts from day one were lined up on the wall uh, in uh, sort of A4 folders. So that was quite impressive for a start. You could go back and see what Dan was saying to Walter in 1954. Um, we used to have uh, script meetings every month, which the sort of small detail was planned. But twice a year, and this is still the case, there's a long-term meeting where you sort of change the emotional geography of the programme, as I used to think of it, mm. uh, in that you would plan out the sort of birth, death, marriages. And then the monthly meetings were really about adding in the detail. What were the stories that you were involved with, the ones that really stood out to you, that had an impact on you? The first story I was involved with was the death of Doris, which went global, bizarrely, um, because the editor at the time, William Smethurst, had a sort of genius for publicity. And the ones that I probably most remember and the ones which are best in the archers are where you sort of, you know, light the blue touch paper and think something happens immediately and the something is launched and then actually you know that rocket falls several years later so I would say actually Brian's affair with Siobhan the birth of Rory which of course then played out through Siobhan's death Rory coming to Ambridge you know all the stories that you know I now know as a listener the development of Rory as a character his relationship with Jennifer we sent Tom uh, Archer to prison through his uh, trashing the GM crop uh, Susan Carter went to prison. That whole Clive Horobin holding up the post office uh, saga. And uh, of course, probably most recently before I left, the incredibly painful Rob and Helen coercive control story. And are there times now when you listen and you hear something that maybe is a thread of something that you instigated or were involved with? Does it sort of bring you up quick to hear that uh it it does really um I mean I'd say the the way the Alice and Chris story has developed um because uh you know I remember Alice and Chris going off to America and getting married in the chapel and you know Jennifer's wonderful line not written by me it's like oh my goodness I'm related to a Horobin um and Brian's sort of saying, no, no, don't worry, you know, don't worry. It's a starter marriage. Yes, I what? remember yeah. that. You know, there are these lines that just stick in your head. So you've got a series of, of books and the new, the latest one is coming out on the 31st of March. That's right. That's called Wedding Bells for the Victory Girls. But um, this started, I'd been wondering after I left The Archers, uh, if I could actually sit down and write a novel. I'd written novelizations about the archers. I started with three characters who met as juniors at a fictional store that I made up in a fictional Midland town. And uh, the sort of challenges they've been through with bombs and boyfriends and babies uh, all play out um, in this book, which is the final one for now. Well, Joanna Toy, whose uh, latest book is out on the 31st of March, Thank you so much for joining me today. Very welcome. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, that Brian Siobhan storyline was my all-time favourite storyline, Philippa. Well, there you uh, go. Uh, it's, it's never been eclipsed. Related to a horrible. I know. That's one voice we still need to hear in all this, uh, Jenny. Yes. We need, to hear her. Yeah, we need Jenny back. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now to Facebook, and we need to say an do to you, to 18 new members, to Jan and Jenny... Stanley and Bridget. Tracy and Sean. 
LJ and Nessie, Deb and Stacy, Jemima and Robin, Simone and Nancy, George and Paula T, and Joe and Paula H. Wonderful. Well, what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup of the goings on in the Dum De Dum Facebook group with our Katie. Hey up my ducks, it's Katie here, at KTP Land on Twitter and Instagram. Forgive the gruff voice, I managed to avoid Covid for two years but finally caught up with me. Anyway, here goes. There's been lots going on this week, mainly over two hot topics. The first one's Barrow. Pam Delay put a poll up to find out who is the hashtag Barrow blabbermouth. At the time of going to press, Lillian was the favourite, with that pesky silent character slash another BL member coming second, but a long way behind. Paul Norris finally solved the mystery by saying it must have happened in the Friday episode. He, as well as the rest of us, have been missing that episode a lot recently. Maybe they release it at a different time of the day. And Keith Rawlins' post had lots of interesting business and farming chat. The second, even hotter and sometimes fiery topic has been the Amy, Alice and Chris storyline. There's far too many posts to possibly mention without the podcast going over the three-hour mark, but check them all out. In other news, Gerard Rocks pointed out we had eight speaking characters on Sunday and Leo Horstmeyer shared his statistics of the various speaking slots over the years, which makes for an interesting read. Fiona Hayton shared a scary link from The Telegraph. Real life kissing returns to Ambridge as the archers get back to normal life. Oh joy. Rick Bateson jumped in and said kissing noises on the archers are the absolute worst. And there was a Lee and Helen one which really put him off his cheese on toast. Witherspoon reminded us and Ambridge that we'd all missed the rewilding day on March the 20th. Better look next year might make a cake. Stephen Bowden took a trip past the hallowed ground that is the mailbox Birmingham. Not quite how we all imagined Ambridge to look. Wonder if there was any recordings happening at the time that photo was taken. Jacqueline Bertho shared a beautiful photo of her spring walk when listening to Dum to Dum. Jill Bowis pointed out she'd love it if the scriptwriters could learn about regenerative agriculture. Well worth a read. Louise Lawton wants to see Kate make a leap and join Extinction Rebellion. And Rob Williams wondered what she'd superglue herself to first. Gillian Corrigan asked the question that's on everyone's lips this week. Who was the Easter Bunny? Rick Bateson fell out with Ian over Butterscotch Angel Delight. And Guy R. Williams created a discussion over whether it's Mother's Day or Mothering Sunday. Let's see what tonight's episode brings. And if, like me, you're stuck at home with time on your hands, pop the kettle on and check out Caroline Wright's edition of the Missing Saturday episode. As usual, welcome to the newbies. Make yourselves known, settle in with a cuppa, and let us know your thoughts. Until next time, ta-ra! Ta-ra, Katie. I hope you're feeling better soon. You don't sound very well. I'm just amazed that you've been able to do the roundup. So thank you. And thank you to everyone. They're, they're tough in love, Bree, you see. <laughs> Good on you, Katie. Hope you get better soon. Yeah. And um, I, I, I bet you recall at kissing noises on the arches as well, don't you, Philip? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. It's not good, is it? It's not no. at all. No. Eating noises, no. yes. Other noises, <laughs> no thank you. Anyway, and a thank you to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dum Dum. What sort of noises? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be very welcome to join us on Facebook. Are we talking room two two one oh noises? If you haven't done so already, if I just keep talking, we'll move on. Go on, on to Twitter. <laughs> oh yes, that. We are of course on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. 
Uh, our team always includes the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A, it's one word, so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Also, that hashtag, the Archers, is your gateway to the hugely enjoyable tweet-along, so pile in there as well. Also try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweets so more people get to see it, which helps to keep our community growing. As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBook Review with a three instead of a W. And you'll find me at 13 Minute Man. That's one three minute man. Hello, it's Fry here. No, not that one. And now on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Three good ones this week. You're going to love this bronze one. Philippa, it's right up your alley, and uh, she's finally made it. It's uh, Ambridge Pony Club at Jen underscore J Stephen. Yay! Jen, finally! Um, See, it just shows you, if you keep on plodding, you'll eventually get on the podium. Right, so Jen came up with this, which you will like, Philippa. Hannah, it's a truth universally acknowledged that a skilled farm worker in search of a job will not find one in Ambridge if they are common despite all the farms otherwise being understaffed and usually desperate to recruit. (laughs) Very good. Bravo. Yes. Austin-esque. Fantastic. In silver, we have Charlie Thomas at CThomas663. And he asks, Shirley Ballast? Big lass? like that one. (laughs) Still working it out, aren't you? I got there in the end, yes. (laughs) It's clever. Nice one, Charlie. Because Shirley Ballas was the, uh, the twins were met, were danced yes, with her, didn't yes. they? I did know that. Yes, yes I just yes. couldn't work out that. But anyway, yeah, I got. Yeah, that. yes, clever, it's, 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 Charlie, brilliant. Thank you. Gets you a silver. Um, right, um, cover your ears now because this is a really smutty mm, goal winner no, this week. Sorry, from, everyone. Think of Angel Delight. From, from <laughs> they were. Uh, this is from <laughs> Rosie Porty, good friend of this podcast, at Porty Rosie, and this is she's imagining. Amy explaining stuff to Alice. Okay, she says, Well, my bra fell off when I was hoovering the flat, and then I fell on his penis. Rosie Porty, I am ashamed of you. You can't use words like that. Then we'd have to give an explicit. It's a a part of the male biology. Don't worry. Um, So, Rosie, fantastic, and loads of people love that one as well. So that's the gold winner this week. I'm going to need some therapy after today, I tell you. Anyway, <laughs> don't forget, we are on Instagram if we don't get shut down. Um, it's at Dumpty Dumpty followers there. Thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for our voices, and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. So what will be revealed next week? Will Tony regret his idea to mix more livestock with the rewilding project? He'll lose all the pigs in the weeds on day one. Will Freddie decide whether he will opt for the smoke or bubble machine or both? The nation is on tenterhooks. Will the retired women in the village form their own cricket team? Jill will be bowler with her flapjacks at the ready. And will Justin realise his Barrow Farm approach is wrong, humbly apologise and accept his mistake? Oh, yeah, I think that's going to come to fruition, definitely. (laughs) All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a thank you for listening to our utter twaddle and a bye-bye from me. And before Philippa tells me to do one, it's bye-bye from me.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.